I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. A triathlon-ish podcast. Grab your sock hats, fill your decanter. Friday's here. It's time for some banter. Tri-tips, life chat from two feisty pros, zoomies, arm hair, ebbs, and flows. Rides with influential women in sport. Voicemails from you, now it's in your court. Join in just to stalk raccoons. Do you like your Zwift caps and fear those loons? So unpad your bras and stop that hiding and find out what happens if we were riding. Hey, feisty folks. Jamila here, the Feisty Team Community Innovator. In June of 2020, we launched the Feisty Team to help you all stay feisty no matter what the year threw your way. Over the last six months, we've come together as a team to try and make the world a feistier place and connect with other like-minded friends in triathlon and endurance sports. We meet every month and bring in experts that can help us on the path to building feistiness in ourselves and others and create meaningful change in our sport and community. The monthly subscription is only $22 and you'll get monthly feisty huddles and webinars with expert guests. Big sponsor discounts, swag, and monthly prizes. Challenges to stay motivated. A community of feisty, like-minded friends. Plus, we are adding new initiatives all the time, like our new book club and virtual workouts. Go to feistyteam.com to join us and become a part of the feistiest team in endurance sports so we can crush 2021 together. That is feistyteam.com. Okay, Sarah, so I'm watching your Instagram story this week, and uh, there's it was a fox. Since we love animal stories on this podcast, there was a fox that appeared. Can you, is there a story here? I, I need to know. <laughs> so this was absolutely wild. Buddy and I are out for a little stroll around the block, and I hear this noise from the woods that sounds like this woman screaming, and it's over and over again. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And it's the middle of the night. Nobody else is out. Like, I, this is creepy. Buddy and I just keep on walking. And I start to notice that there is this fox that's trailing us. And she's the one making the noise. Ooh. And Buddy is just looking at me, really confused. I'm like, yeah, dude, I don't know what's going on either. And we go, we keep stalked. on. We were being stalked by this fox. And I had no idea foxes made these these noises, but it turns out that uh, that's kind of the noise that the female fox makes when she is being territorial about her den. So she must have had some kits nearby and was very threatened by Buddy. Clearly not me because I am a friend to all foxes. Uh, but yeah, a very a very feisty vixen following us around the neighborhood. <laughs> Okay, I'm familiar with this noise. Like when you say the this high pitched fox noise, like in um, when I used to train in Arizona, in the night we would hear like the foxes uh, fighting with the javelinas, like and it no. was like yeah, and it was like like javelinas. Do you know what those are? They're like those pig -like yeah. creatures. Yeah, they're like they're actually rodents, so they're like related to raccoons, but they look like pigs. And they snort like pigs. They're actually very comical creatures. Um, but they're big and they're scary. And you don't necessarily want to like get on their bad side either. Um, although I have actually played with them. Like they play, the little babies play. Like you know how dogs play with their front paws and they go low? Oh, really? In the front. And then they like 
jump around. <laughs> like they want you. Yeah, the little babies to play. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> anyway, yeah. But, but in the middle of the night, like you would hear these noises that did not sound like animal noises. Like that sounded like, yeah, like high pitched screeching. Um, but it was foxes and javelinas having at her. Probably for a similar reason, like if they're near each other's layers, as you if you will. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the I I just I'm sorry. I have to interrupt for a second. There is something going on with your hair. And I I wish we had video for this part. But I just I'm so distracted. Like you have like a side cowlick situation going on. I can't I cannot control this. Like I don't know. This is making me worry that like that this pops out like and I don't know about it during the day or something, but I don't know why randomly today. Like so my hair's up in like kind of a high messy bun. And this piece of hair that's normally I'm assuming kind of tucked behind my ear, every time I tuck it, it pops back out. And actually I think the process of the popping out is it's just is funny. I it's all I can focus on right now. This is really distracting. <laughs> and it's like rather large. Like it's not small. Like it's like the huge, this huge chunk of hair just, and semi-curled too. Like it has this, this like little, like that's what's funny about it too, is it, is it doesn't like fall flat. It like curls out in this weird ziggy. I don't know what's happening. Okay. Well, this is going to be an interesting right. podcast. <laughs> we might need to. <laughs> I might have to turn Maybe. video off so I can pay attention. <laughs> too. We might have to, um, to grab that video clip anyway. Here we go. I'll try, Sarah. I'll try. Okay. No, sorry. You're going to have to put up with it. Okay, so now that we've told important animal and hair stories, after the break, <laughs> we're going to talk about, ooh, um, I have an exciting, some exciting news coming up. Uh, we're going to talk about bouncing back from a bad race and a voicemail from a listener. Every day there seems to be a new wellness trend, like eat this do this, avoid those scary things, and how do we know where to start and who to trust? Inside Tracker cuts through the noise by analyzing your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers. This provides you with a personalized, science-based, trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. Inside Tracker is simpler, cheaper, and more convenient than traditional blood tests and includes tests that we need as athletes but aren't traditionally included, like ferritin and vitamin D. My favorite part is that they don't just give you the data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. So for a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our If We Were Riding listeners 25% off their entire store. So just go to insidetracker.com forward slash riding. That's insidetracker.com forward slash writing, as in, if we were, change is an inside job, start inside. All right, Sarah, what, what is this exciting news? Oh my gosh. Okay, so Sarah, I get to leave Canada for the first time in over a year tomorrow. So that will be, like we're recording on Thursday. So that will be, um, as our list, as this podcast is dropping, I will be in the air on my way to Phoenix. Um, I'm quite excited. I have I literally have not left Canada or barely my well. city like yeah. in over a year. Um, Do you have to I, quarantine on the way back? Probably. Yeah. Unless uh, they change the rules, I probably do have to quarantine. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I'm going for um, for a conference. Um, we're launching a partnership for a women's sports leadership initiative that I'm pretty excited about, and I really didn't want to miss. Um, and Catherine and Lisa, who are both who both work with me, are coming. They both live in the U.S. already, so they they're free to move around. <laughs> Whereas, um, yeah, so the, 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 the fun part is like I'm going to this conference, but I said to Catherine, like, listen, if I'm leaving, if I'm leaving Canada, like, let's go big. So we, we booked a place in Flagstaff and I'm going to the Grand Canyon. Um, so I'm like, I need to do, if I'm going to do something, I need to do something like, like, let's do it. So I'm, I'm kind of excited. Um, I'm a little concerned about how my social skills will be in a conference environment um, and whether that will totally drain my energy. But um, apart from that, uh, yeah, I get to do something. Yay. What's, what's this Women's Sport Commission? That- oh, so we're partnering. We're doing a new um, – it's a Women's Sports Leaders Initiative. So we're basically uh, – it's, it's, it's super exciting, Sarah. So And maybe some of our listeners will be – will want to be a part of it. Um, we're basically gathering um, women who are who are already leaders in sports um, and pairing uh, tourism boards who want to have um, events come to their cities with sponsors who want to um, support women's sport uh, with event directors um, that like event owners, race directors who want to expand perhaps their reach or who want to bring their event to a new city. Um, so we're like bringing those people together so that we can find like, so tourism boards often have budgets to bring events to their cities. And a lot of those budgets end up passed around like the same people because the same people like in sport network with each other and they know each other. Um, and they pass like, you know how it goes, right? With anything, right? It's like, it's often, and it's often, like men because they're more in positions of power especially in sport and then they end up like giving money to their friends and the people they network with and met somewhere at some conference um so we're actually creating a network of women who um who can like share their budgets and be able to like actually produce perhaps big events in women's sport um so that's what we're doing um the partner that i have is um compete diversity so he has a lot of the networking pieces around um big like big sports events like he knows people from kind of like big team sports um where I know more people from the endurance world and he also has contacts with the the tourism boards and and runs a lot of events himself um so this is what we're doing um and I'm quite excited about it uh and hence my willingness to go through quarantine to go down and launch it and talk to people about it yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, obviously you're going for business, but putting in some some pleasure and fun with Catherine on the tail end like yeah. that. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 I love it. So, I love it. Mm-hmm, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I have some favorite places to go in Flagstaff restaurant. Oh. And I'll also oh. need some tips. Yeah. Yeah. Send them along. Um, okay. I definitely want that. I've I've never like I've been to Flagstaff, but I've never spent any time there. Mm. I used to. I mean, did you? We both trained in Sedona, I think. Um, I used. Mm-mm. You never trained in Sedona? No, just Flagstaff. Like I would, I would pop down to Sedona for individual sessions. Right. But, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, funny. Yeah, I trained in Sedona, but would pop up <laughs> to Flagstaff for individual sessions. So, yeah, cool. So that's that funness. Um, and this week we also had our level up triathlon summit. Um, at Live Feisty, which you joined us for on Tuesday. What was your What were your impressions? Man, you and your team have 
really figured out how to do the online summit stuff. I was, I, I'm really impressed because this is the second one that I've kind of popped into and you know, the, the, there are a lot of logistics that go behind it, but it, you, it's, it's seamless at this point for you and your team. So, uh, let's see impressions. I don't know. There was a TikTok, and I tried to get out of it, <laughs> but I wasn't able and it was actually fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes i she actually had a good says. time doing the tiktok oh i was hoping other people would want to jump in so oh i'm sorry i'll i'll give up my spot because um, we're limited how many people we could have at the same time but yeah i enjoyed it it was yeah it was a good time um let's see i think well just the ability to connect with the community right now in a meaningful way uh you know it's you can you can have you know chats online but it's it's hard to really let people connect but the fact that you know you have you have networking potential you have like the chat box right there it's really interactive and engaging and i think i think that's that's a really important component that i don't think a lot of people really understands that you need to keep the, the, the watcher engaged. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you don't want just to have people talking at you the entire time. You want to feel like you're part of the discussion, like you would be in person. So yeah. yeah, totally. That's one thing that we have found to be an advantage about that chat box for our virtual events is that like there's a chat box on zoom to Facebook, like wherever you are in these virtual places online there's always a chat box and like if you can keep people engaged there actually more people will engage than would in an in-person setting because there's a little bit more um, anonymity so you can get like that conversation going like so there's often a whole conversation happening in the chat box while the presentation's going on Um, whether it's like cheering on the person who's presenting or just talking about one of the concepts as you go so we were talking about like as we move forward and and uh, create some hybrid events like where there's an online component and an in-person component like whether we can put the chat box like up onto a screen so that the people in the room can also participate in like kind of a conversation that's happening in a chat box or have a way to participate in that because we have found that to be super um, useful and also like I think it helps for me like I find it hard to sit and watch something that's static like a 30-minute static presentation online would be just hard on my attention span. I need to do something else. So like actually talking about the actual presentation really helps. I'm sure I'm not the only one. So, and that goes in person too. Like if you can um, see and be part of a, a conversation that's sort of happening, not, not taking away, but like your brain's capable of more than one thing at once often. So, so you're, you're, you're not advocating for being that person who's chatting to their neighbor the entire presentation. Just <laughs> no. let's be clear. Right. Just right. It's like the equivalent. It's sort of like, it's sort of the equivalent of that, but it's actually polite and you can do it and it's actually useful. Well, with the, the chat box. So yeah. I have to say the, I'm, I'm blanking. What it, what's the platform you use? Uh, it's called Hopin. Hopin. Right. I, I don't, I don't mind that chat box. I like that chat box. The Zoom chat box drives me insane for whatever reason. Because it's, it's like in the middle of it and it, like these notifications pop up. It feels very intrusive. Whereas like the side-by-side format where you can focus on the presenter and it doesn't take away from what they're saying. I, I cannot stand the Zoom 
chat box. Um, because for for my online courses, I've I have it, and I just want to go crazy on some of the students who start because <laughs> it's. I mean, it's just not. Yeah, it it, it really it takes away from from the lecture. Um, but there's just something about having that compartmentalization where you don't have to click on the chat box. I don't know. Just that setup that they that you have with the the hop in is a lot better than than Zoom. My yeah, two cents. <laughs> yeah, it's just like subtle little things like that, right? Like the yeah. literally the location of the chat box that makes it feel like part of the like yeah. part of the process rather than something is like interrupting, you know? Right. Um, I, I suspect it might have something to do too with like, do your classmates, are they engaging with the presenter or are they like okay. talking about shit in the sidebar? That's a whole different conversation. Uh... <laughs> I think that might make a difference also. <laughs> well, sometimes what they're saying is of value. Uh but yeah, I, I'm just talking format here. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna trash my fellow <laughs> students context. right now. We can. We can save that for a different podcast. Mm, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. It's still too fresh. I just finished up <laughs> my last <laughs> exam for the semester last week, and I'm still bitter about it's like. A, there's a point of pain here. I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Chat box pains. Okay, I'll, we'll ask you about that. In, I have in a couple strong weeks. opinions about chatbots. <laughs> after you've had time to heal from this experience, we can talk about it later. <laughs> okay. Oh, look at this transition. Speaking of healing from experiences, Ooh. we we were going to chat about bouncing back from a bad race. As as racing's getting started, I think like what a great topic because I think a lot of folks will have expectations of their fitness and what they're capable of and get out there and find that they may or may not be able to execute on some of their expectations. Yeah, it's it's super fresh right now because uh, last weekend we had WTS Yokohama, which for a lot of uh, athletes was an Olympic qualification race. Um, and, you know, for the U.S., we had a couple of athletes, uh, Morgan Pearson and uh, Taylor Nib, just absolutely knock it out of the park. They got their Olympics uh, spots. Other athletes really struggled on the day. Um, you know, some some athletes. So did who, they need podium to get those spots? Did you tell me that last? They week? they got they well. So Morgan was third, and Taylor yeah. won. Um, wow! So you had two yeah. US athletes on the podium. I didn't realize that. That's yeah. Well, we had three because uh, Summer, who mm -hmm. Rappaport, she already has an Olympic spot. She so you took second. over the podium. Well. Morgan's uh, a male, um, so he oh, okay. got the male. He got a male podium. Okay. Got it. Yeah, got yeah, yeah. It. Sorry, I should have clarified. Um, so it was, it was, you know, like for those two athletes, you were absolutely ecstatic because they punched their cards to Tokyo, and you know the athletes who struggled or had, you know, crashes or mechanicals or, you know, just weren't fit enough, whatever the case might be you know, your heart really goes out to them. And then, you know, more immediately, like in my household. Uh, so next month is Olympic trials for for track and field. And, you know, Ben had kind of a tune-up race last weekend in California. And it was not a good race, you know. And he's he's still moping around a little bit. But the, the, whole, the whole weekend just reminded me, like when you have so much on the line, like whether it's, 
for Yokohama, these athletes who, you know, missed out on an Olympic selection. Um, I mean, we do still have discretionary spots that we're going to fill up. Uh, but still, like, it's it's a hard blow to go all in for a race and, and miss your automatic selection. Or you need that confidence booster going into a major race. And you just aren't where you need to be or there are other extenuating circumstances. So I've just, like, obviously it's really fresh in my mind. And I'd love to know, you know, what you've learned over the course of your career. And both, you know, both as an athlete, but then coaching. Like, what your recommendations are for athletes bouncing back from, I wouldn't say bad, like, it's quote-unquote bad race. Like, it, you know, it, it, races aren't bad or good, they just are. Um, yeah. And sometimes they're more successful than others. Sometimes there are more things that go wrong. It's just a question of what you can learn from them, how you can move on. Yeah, no, you're right. And I have, like... I have a whole arc on this through my career for sure. Mm, I definitely, me I too. Had, yeah, I had an interesting pattern of um, actually kind of like flubbing, like maybe the first race or the first race that I, in a while, um, or being disappointed by it in some way. And then actually like nailing the second one, like to the point where I started to plan that I was going to have a race that didn't matter as much. Like I know a lot of athletes do this too, but as the first race before the big one, because sometimes like being fired up after a bad race was um, was like exactly what I needed to really perform. Um, but I also recognize like that was a bad pattern because you can't always plan that, right? And then like, you don't want to feel like if you get it right, like say I would crush the first one, right? I didn't necessarily want to be like, uh-oh, my pattern's off. Like now I can't crush the important race kind of thing. So like, I definitely saw the need to like change that pattern. Um, and the second thing I wanted to say there, and I'm sure you've got lot loads on this topic to say as well, but um, is that like over time I realize there's like a big difference, like anything else in life, between what you feel and what you do, right? So like sometimes you come off a race and like you feel really crappy about it. It can be heartbreaking, right? Like this is, you know, like for us, like this is our career. Um, you've spent so much time and effort on it. You've maybe had disappointments before. Like there's a lot that, you know, and coming out of a disappointing race, like I have definitely felt heartbroken before. Um, but like how you then proceed after that heartbreak, like sometimes you just have to feel bad for a while. Right. And that's actually just like a thing in life, <laughs> you know? Um, but then how you actually behave, like you can behave as if you're going to like your first step can be that you're going to like recover properly from the race. Like not, you know, I know a lot of athletes have like a limit on the time that they allow themselves to wallow kind of thing. Um, but I would say like you're whatever, whatever your time is on wallowing. I don't know if you can just pre-decide that, um, but you can still act as if you're going to win the next one, no matter what, no matter how you feel. So I, I just like, once I learned that lesson, then it's like, okay, I can ignore or I can, I can, be comfortable with how I'm feeling and this disappointment, knowing that I'm still doing all the things I need to do to win the next one. Yeah. I, I like the, the wallowing timeline. Cause I, did you have a wallowing timeline? Totally. Totally. So I, I learned that I had to, I was allowed, if it was, it was a particularly disastrous race, uh, like 24 hours to just be emotional. And you know, that's when like, I don't, I don't really, you know, you don't really have chats with the coach and talk about what's next. You just feel the feels, 
because honestly, like the bigger the race, the longer the grieving process. So you could like I would find I could I let myself grieve for longer than that if if needed. Uh, but the wallowing where you're just kind of like not an awesome person to be around, you know, like your friends and family, like you're all, you can only be that self-indulgent for 24 hours and then you have to, and then you have to yank yourself out of it because at the end of the day, it's just sport, but like 24 hours, you can be a pain in the ass. Uh, you know, hopefully you aren't, but like, you know, that's the maximum amount. Um, but then after that, like you can start to step back and be more objective. Cause I, I do think you need to feel the disappointment before you can really be objective about, all right, was I actually as prepared as I thought for this race? Were my expectations realistic based on my preparation, uh, based on, you know, the data that I see in training, or was I being a little too optimistic? Um, you know, what, you know, what things did I do wrong that I can improve upon? Like, was I, was I prepared enough with my nutrition, with my equipment? Like if things like that always go wrong, then you really have to look at your, you know, if you always get a flat in races, if there's always something that is basically like an excuse, you know, a, a reason, uh, you really, really have to be honest with yourself, whether you're taking your equipment, your preparation seriously enough. Uh, you know, if you always have like stomach issues, are you addressing those things in training? So just being very objective where it's not like I give myself 24 hours at the most to be like, oh, I'm a terrible athlete. I should just retire. You know, like all those like catastrophic, like, ah, oh, this is the worst. Why do I do this to myself? And then you get over it and you're like, okay, let's think, let's think about what led into this performance, uh, how I can improve upon it. Like things that, you know, just was I being realistic about the outcome uh, and, you know, whether or not I was prepared enough. But like really, and as a coach, I think most coaches would appreciate like that 24-hour buffer. Um, if we have coaches who listen to the podcast, like I'm sure tons of you have gotten the, this is the worst, like you're fired because I didn't have a good race. I don't know if people say that, but like where, where their program is being second guessed. Um, I'm sure that happens all the time. If, if an athlete really, really holds a lot of weight for that race and it doesn't go well, really that athletes not being fair to themselves and not fair to the coach, because sometimes you need to step back and be like, Hey, listen, the problem wasn't the program. The problem was, you know, my expectations or, you know, just, I wasn't prepared enough for the heat or whatever the case case may be. Um, but you know, sometimes like you can be super fit, super prepared and you're just flat on the day. So like, that's what I saw, uh, with, with Ben last weekend was just, he was very flat. Like he didn't look like his normal bouncy self. And sometimes, especially if you're doing like a race kind of to get ready for another race that happens a lot. Like if you're in the middle of a training block and it's just, you have to kind of step back and say, all right, it would have been great if this was a huge confidence booster, uh, you know, that I, I got done with this, you know, this B or C race and it made me feel like I'm going to nail my A race, but really it was kind of like a, a rust buster. You know, you blew out the cobwebs a little bit. Like you felt, you felt terrible. Like it wasn't easy. 
sometimes you just need those races and they serve a purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes those first races, like you actually forget how painful it can be, you know, and just like revisiting that means you'll be able to tolerate a little bit more the next time too. Like that's always what it was for me, especially with like, oh, even doing like a half fire man before I, you're like, wow, this is like, yeah. this is far and hard. <laughs> like, you know what you're facing. Um, yeah, I mean, all athletes are really different in how like some athletes, they show up to the first race of the year. And they can just knock it out of the park. Like I, I was a builder over the course of the season where my first races were very mediocre, but by the time it came to the really important key races, like I would be ready, but it took, it took me most of the season to get to that point. And it's just kind of being gentle with yourself the first few races and like still, like I still expected a lot out of myself, but just knowing that everybody responds differently. Mm -hmm. Totally. And I think too, like, it's hard to learn when things go well. So like, I've, I've seen like the equal and opposite to this. Like, I know, like, if you have a good world for me, if I have a good race, it's like, my tendency is to be like, I am amazing. Like, this is like, <laughs> nailed it. Like, it's, a, it's the equal and opposite, right? Like celebration, I checked all the boxes, everything's great. But like, the learning process and that, like, you have to actively go back and go, oh, but what are the things that like, what are the things I could learn? Were there things that went wrong? Even though I won the race, are there things that went wrong that I could learn from? Um, so that's, like, one thing. So, like, I would always, like, later in my career, again, like, I learned to really appreciate the races when things didn't go well because you're like, okay, I'm actually learning faster. And I actually, like, knew that to be true in my – I wasn't just telling myself that. Like, I actually knew it to be true. Um, and the other thing I've seen is, like, folks, like, when you have someone who's um, – like a super talent that comes in and it's maybe like they have so much talent that it's a little bit easier perhaps to like get on the podium those first they don't have to take care of the details as much as I did for example um so that you can have watched people like that go through a series of races where they're like yeah and they think you know they're falling into the same trap I did like I'm amazing and then something goes wrong and they have zero percent skills (laughs) to deal with that right I have definitely seen that in like dealing with say they get a flat in a race and it's absolutely like devastating in a way that wouldn't be for um for someone else who's had like more challenges along the way and and had to actually like check all the boxes do everything right to get onto the podium in the first place um so i think that there's like things to be grateful for for having a hard process yeah well because like like you like you said you build you build resilience um so you know that okay, when things aren't perfect, I can still get a good race out of this. Or at least I can have, you know, good training day or like I'm going to spin this in the best possible way. Like maybe I'm not going to win today, but I can still get a big benefit out of continuing forward even though, you know, I crashed or whatever it might be um, because you're used to just quickly evaluating the situation, reframing it. Whereas somebody who it's like it's win or bust, um, you know, and they haven't developed those skills, mm-hmm. it's really hard for them to to shift their perspective on the fly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so I'm, I'm curious for, from your perspective, was there anything like having gone from the shorter distance, Olympic distance racing to Ironman, like were there things that Ironman taught you specifically that was a little different to what you'd learned, like the skills from Olympic distance? Uh, there's just so much more time 
to make up for things going wrong. Yeah. Um, I mean, like you can't, you can't undo, like if you've not stayed on top of your nutrition, things like that, obviously. Um, like there's more margin for error in short course racing if you forget a gel. Mm -hmm. Uh, but when it comes to, okay, well, I didn't have the swim I wanted. Okay. I had a flat, you know, like little things along the way for Ironman. It doesn't matter a few minutes here or there. Uh, but definitely short course racing. Like if, if you miss, if you miss a pack that your race is probably, it, it could be over. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's the biggest thing is just realizing that the, the margin, like you go through highs and lows over the course of an Ironman and a two hour race, there's not a lot of room for highs and lows. There, there are a lot, it flattens out a lot more for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get that. I was just thinking how like, yeah, I, with Ironman, I really learned to like to reframe my day constantly, right? Yeah. Because you're like, you like you say, like, if you get a flat in Ironman, you're like, you can reframe, like you can still have, you could still have say a PR bike time, or you could still like, if you subtract the time, like I learned to like, keep track of time if I had a flat or if, if I had to stop for something so that like, at least I would know even if the time comes out whatever at least I would know oh I biked really well this time or whatever like you still or like re the number of times oh my gosh I've had to like reframe my goals from like podium to um to like I'm gonna have one of the fastest run splits like based on like where you are in the race as you as you go along or I'm gonna get I could still run this fast or I could still like so like right. essentially just changing the my own personal goals and keeping like keeping on top of something that's going to be motivating till the end, even if like you, you know, even if I came to try to get on the podium and I'm, and I'm running in 10th place. Yeah. But you could be running in 10th place and still end up on the podium. And <laughs> I mean, true. like if, if, if you have a great run, I mean, that's, what's crazy about if so much can go wrong, like you, you can't, you can't give up, you know? And, th and that's, that's where I think it's a lot easier in short course racing if you come off the bike in 30th, you're not, you're not going to be running your way up to the podium. Right. You, you might be able to run your way up to a top 10 if you have a phenomenal day, but you can get off the bike in like, you know, 10 minutes down in an Ironman and win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Oh, I'm thinking I'm, about all oh, this fun time in Cozumel, like not by any stretch my best race, but like, um, I I guess it looks have you ever done Ironman Cosmo? No. It's hot, it's windy. Yeah. Like it's it's hotter and windier than Kona. Right? So you're you're like out there, like I came off the bike just like, you know, cramping. I you know that fuzzy brain you get when you're lacking salt. Like I, I just I was in T two and I was way, way back. Like I was like maybe sixteenth place off the bike. There were probably eighteen for women or something. Like it was I was like, oh man, like this is all going wrong. <laughs> right? Like I, and I, I thought about stopping, right? And then just at the moment when I thought about stopping, another pro woman was like being brought through transition, like on a stretcher, like on her way to the med tent. And I was like, you know, <laughs> I can run. So I'm going to run. <laughs> and then I started, it's like, this is just like the, this is the biggest, what do you say? Like, I don't even think I, I didn't mentally charge my own turnaround. Like I had essentially given up on myself and just decided to start running. 
right? I start running, I start running. Somewhere like around halfway, I decide I'm going to take Coke at an aid station, right? And for some reason on this particular day, like, you know how Coke can be like magical during a race? Well, it was like four times as magical as it normally is. <laughs> like, I was like, like new life was breathed into me, right? Um, and then I like, I was coming around and then do you remember, um, there was a Belgian athlete called, I think he was called Marino Vonacker. Mm-hmm. He used to be, he used to do well in Kona every year, like super yeah. precise on his, um, on, on how he prepared. Anyway, he was like spectating at this race for some reason. And he, and he looked at me and he's like, Sarah, he's like, you're in eighth place and you're running way faster than anyone else. Like, this is me thinking like this race is like, I'm just, I'm just jogging this thing in, in my head. Right. And I'm like, oh, like, that's not like everyone else is dying too, <laughs> right? And like things can, things like that in Ironman can turn around. And, and in life, it's, this is an analogy for like, but like he said that I was like, oh, amazing. So I took more Coke and kept running. And I think I like, I at least ended up with like a paycheck and it was not, you know, it was like maybe fifth or sixth, right? Right, from, that's from awesome. like From like almost giving up, right? Yeah. Um, like just... I don't know. This like, this is almost making me want to do Iron Man again. That's frightening. Um. <laughs> no, but just it does like if you hadn't if you hadn't turned things around and been like I'm just going to get the most out of this day that I can, like you wouldn't have opened yourself up to the possibility of having a good run and you know finishing well. I guess so. It's just funny how I feel like, like a lot of times, like I do feel I had those skills to like turn it around myself. But in this particular occasion, I'm like, it, it felt like it got turned around on my behalf. Like, thank you, Coca-Cola kind of thing. And Marino. Well, <laughs> like, I mean, your brain is definitely affected by lack of sugar. Like a little sugar <laughs> and caffeine can wake up your brain. We'll put it that way. And you know, your critical thinking skills can return a bit, but yeah, sugar. Yay. We like it. <laughs> so in summary, <laughs> <laughs> my advice for bouncing back from a bad race is to take sugar during the race. I like it. I like it. Okay, we do have a voicemail, um, but we're going to take a little break and we'll come back. Yeah. If We Were Riding is a feisty podcast. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at If We Were Riding. And we love hearing from our feisty friends. So please send us a voicemail at sarah at livefeisty.com. That's Sarah without an H. Right. So just grab your phone, record an audio file and email it to me and we will love it and love you forever. And our regular listeners will know that If We Were Riding and All Things Feisty is proudly partnered with Orca Sportswear. For 15% off all items on orca.com, please use the code livefeisty15. And that includes the wetsuits. So good deals all around. Hey, Sarah and Sarah. Um, Not sure if you recognize this voice, but this is actually the voice of your jingle. Yes, I am the girl that wrote the jingle that I sent in there for you. Um, I'm glad you guys like it. I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, I like to do little things like that, so it was just a fun little thing to do for you guys. Um, plus, I listen to your podcast every week. Um, I also binge listen to old episodes, so I'm a super fan. Um, I'm also a professional triathlete, so I can relate to a lot of the things you talk about when it comes to triathlon. 
Um, but I also like all the other stuff, like the animal stories and things like that, that you talk about. I think it's, it's pretty funny. Um, most of the time you guys are pretty funny. So, um, one question for you, uh, that I just wanted to get advice on. I always really wanted to get into commentating, um, in triathlon or any endurance sport. Um, I am a communications major. I, I got my degree in communications, but I never actually used it. I always wanted to be on the radio and, uh, listening to your podcast has inspired me to just ask, um, maybe Sarah True, how you got into commentating. How do you break through that, um, to get, you know, your voice out there really to be able to have these opportunities. Um, because I love to have that be my next uh, step in sport. Um, when I round up being a professional triathlete. And so just any advice would be awesome. Um, and I wanted to do a you rock because, um, Sarah gross, uh, you rock because I just feel like you're super supportive of other females and you just have the most like even keeled, cool personality. Um, you seem like you'd be like the best boss. Um, and I just like the understanding that you have plus your kick-ass athlete and, um, Sarah true you rock because, um, you're super funny, but also you're one of the most talented athletes out there. And, and um, to be a two-time Olympian is crazy. But then to go on to the Ironman events and and crush those right off the bat, I feel like is, is pretty amazing. Um, some might even consider those two different sports. So to just transfer from that shorter uh, distance to long distance so well um, and place fourth at Kona, I mean, that's just unbelievable. So um, that's why you guys rock. Um and I rock because I walk my cat on a leash as well. Thanks. Yes, cat on a leash. <laughs> <laughs> How many ways did I love that voicemail? I mean, mostly because thank you, Katie. That, thank like, you for, so much. For all your lo- lovely um, compliments. Um, and thank you for your uh, intro jingle, which we are um, forever grateful for. Um, Sarah, did you have any advice for Katie about broadcasting? Uh, no, not really. (laughs) No, honestly, I'm so sorry, Katie. So basically, they needed a woman who has a good rapport for uh, the Zwift uh, with uh, Matt Lieto um, for the Zwift races. And I was asked, so I didn't I didn't have to kind of pursue it. So this is where I would love to kind of turn it around to our audience. If anybody has done commentary, how they got their foot in the door, I would say probably reaching out to local race organizers and just starting to build up your, your resume, you know, people, t- race organizers, they talk like they, if, if you do a good job, they'll let other people know. Uh, but definitely like if, if we have people who are listening, who are raising their hands saying, Oh, I, I know, I know how to enter the space. Please let us know. How about you, Sarah? Do you know? How's this um, work? Interesting. I don't know. I, I just like my broadcasting experience is recording my own voice on my own podcasts. <laughs> That's gone really well for me. <laughs> just do it yourself. Yeah. Um, no, but like, okay. One thing I want to say for Katie is like, Katie, you have an amazing voice. Like yeah. I, like you, you just, um, there's just like sometimes people have like, voices that stand out uh and, and yours does so I think that's encouraging um but the other thing I don't know how much I know you said you had a degree in broadcast journalism but I don't know how much experience you have so I've found um I I actually have found this process of podcasting and forcing myself to 
record my own voice talking on a topic every week has really, really helped my ability to just like relax and speak naturally. So, um, yeah, I would consider getting into podcasting too. Then you have like something that you could point people to and you're like, Hey, did I become as part of your resume? You know, and podcasting is like super low bar in terms of entry level. So you can like record your own podcast or, um, there's like lots of different ways to get involved in podcasting. Um, that was one of my thoughts partially because I'm just so plugged into the podcasting world. Um, yeah. And I like Sarah, like your thoughts of like getting, like, don't be afraid to ask. I know that like in triathlon, there's always been conversations about having more female broadcasters. So there are opportunities there. Um, just gotta seek them out. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's just building resume. It's, it's like any job I would imagine that just getting your foot in the door, being able to point for example, the Ironman team to, I have done these races. Um, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that broadcaster or the people who do commentary come up with highlight reels, that sort of thing, where you can give them examples of your work. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is, I, I find this is really interesting. So if, if any of our listeners have some advice, please let us know. And if anybody else walks their cat or any other non dog animal on a leash, dog. please let me know because that just fills me with endless joy. Uh, yeah. Thank you for listening to another week of if we were riding and keep on walking your cats on leashes, people. Cause it makes me happy. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top.